from Hebrews today, draw near to God. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And from our Trinity core language, connecting to God, community, and creation. Three weeks ago, a beloved 92-year-old woman from Gloucester died. She was from two of my former churches. She lived in the house she grew up in. She never married. She lived alone. Throughout her life, she knew the importance of connection, which she did with zeal in her classrooms, in Bible studies that she started in her home, in church, and with friends. As the modern world grew up around her and the decades went by, and technology that never existed in her childhood or in her midlife were developed all around her, people around her got drawn into computers and social media and streaming. Her busy street became more and more quiet during the day as Neighbors lost their comfortable margin of only needing one earner to make ends meet to needing two earners to make ends meet. And depleted from all their work during the week, too busy to just come and have a good old-fashioned cup of tea and a chat. Outgoing, extroverted Betty became more and more needy. If people saw that it was Betty calling on their phones, they'd often not pick up. I don't have time for an hour-long conversation right now, or ever, they might think. What none of us realized at the time is that Betty was, in a sense, like an Ezekiel prophetic picture. She was the prophetic sign for this modern age, not for the people of Israel, but for the people of the North Shore of Boston. God, through Betty, was crying out, it's not good for man to be alone. Her phone calls were a voice crying in the wilderness for many to hear. We need connection. We need connection. We need connection. For the next several weeks, we'll be talking about our core language at Trinity, and at the core of the core of this language is the word connecting, connecting to God, to community, and to creation. To launch these discussions, let's wrap our heads around the importance of this dynamic verb, connecting. Why should we be all about connecting? Why, I mean, why this word? Well, for starters, at the beginning of the Bible, in the second chapter of the grand narrative of the human story and God, Adam had been made, and he had a dynamic connection to God. God had conversations with Adam about naming the animals and about his work here on earth. God placed Adam in a garden called Eden, a microcosm of all of creation, and told him to tend, work, serve, depending on the translations you use, the garden, 
and to care for, keep watch, guard over it, and preserve the garden. So what more could Adam have needed? Adam would continue to connect to God, and he knew what his work was. His loving purpose was to connect to creation. And that was all very well and good, but there was a third connection God knew was still missing. Adam, God told Adam it's not good for man to be alone, so he made Eve. With Eve came the potential to be connected to a new community of human beings on the planet. Adam and Eve were to be fruitful and multiply, so there'd be lots of people who would love and live and work in peaceful, dynamic connection to God and to each other and to creation. It was pretty simple. We complicated it. We decided to go our own way. But since humans were designed in God's image, we, by design, were and still are today wired for connection. God, the three-in-one, is connected within the Trinity where abounding love and goodness flow endlessly from one to the other, to the other, to the other. We, in God's image, are designed to connect. Like Adam and Eve, we're designed to connect to God, to others, and to creation. In fact, being disconnected and alone is screeching against God's plan for people and the planet. So at Trinity, we're acknowledging we are hardwired for connecting, connecting to God, to community, and to creation. And we recognize that the urge to connect is hardwired into us. And so we honor it. It's in our core language. We resonate in our core with verses like what we heard Christian read earlier. Those words from Hebrews, draw near to God. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. When we fail to connect, we fail to exemplify a key part of who God is. Emmanuel, God with us, always in relationship with us, urging us, us, to be in relationship with others and with the planet. That's what love does. So let's see what happens when we don't function as designed, when we don't connect. Harvard University has recently published a book called The Good Life. It describes the longest study on happiness in, in, that's been known to have been done. It started in 1938 through various wars, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, and too many presidents to name. The Harvard study on adult development found that there is a strong correlation between deep relationships and well-being. Relationships affect us physically. 
The Atlantic magazine article summarized the findings. They wrote, social fitness, like physical fitness, takes work to maintain. The article continues, loneliness has a physical effect on the body. It can render more people sensitive to pain, suppress their immune system, diminish brain function, and disrupt sleep, which in turn can make an already lonely person even more tired and irritable. And how sad it was when they discovered that 55,000 respondents from across the globe, amongst the 55,000, 33% of them were lonely. And within the 16 to 24-year-old age group, 40% were lonely, often or very often. In response to this information, we could say, well, what does Harvard know? I mean, maybe the study was flawed and it's already outdated. I mean, it's been a minute. Well, let's see what the U.S. Census Bureau survey revealed. They also did a survey. I didn't know they did surveys. Americans have been spending less time with friends and more time alone than before the pandemic which has only intensified the sense of social isolation. What about Yale University? Laurie Santos, a cognitive scientist and psychology professor at Yale, found that some surveys reveal that around 60% of people in the United States right now report feeling lonely on a pretty regular basis. David Brooks, the New York Times guy, said in an article, I realize I don't have any weekend friends. I have people that I interact with at work, but I don't have weekend friends. Laurie Santos added, with the 60% in some surveys, that's pretty devastating from a public health perspective. Worse rates than obesity, worse than diabetes. And finally, lest we think all of these sources are a bit off, our Surgeon General, who was the Surgeon General under Obama and now he's under Biden, Dr. Vivek Murthy, said in May of just this year that there is a public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. Disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk for individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives, and lacking connection, lacking connection can increase the risk of premature death to levels comparable to smoking cigarettes daily. So, yeah. We're, we have the word connecting in our core language, connecting to God, connecting to community, and connecting to creation. 
with the operative word connecting being very important to our physical, spiritual, and psychological health, not to mention the life of the planet. God's goodness and love and generosity moved him to make us in his image, which means that we are movers and purveyors of love ourselves. We're in his image. We've spent two years looking at love and the way of love, and this fall we're focusing on a key dynamic connection in our sermons here. Being made in the image of God, we are designed with a strong, innate need to love, to give, to embrace, to encourage others' joy and the others' health and well-being. We are designed to be able to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes. We're designed to be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. Yeah. And to tend the garden of creation and guard over it and preserve it. Absolutely. Well, why? Why create a world to begin with and have all these people? Uh, Ken and Tim quoted Polkinghorn last week about the cup of tea. It just, um, I'm going to say it in a different, less eloquent way. Love's just got to love. Good's just got to be out there. So that's why populate a planet and go to extreme measures to redeem it. Love's got to love. Even when we know that we have a good thing, when I have something good, like, oh my gosh, this is the best chocolate cake I've ever made. Oh, who can I give some to? We just, love's got to love. I can't have chocolate anymore. It's really very sad. But anyway, <laughs> our ability to love and care for the earth and its people is preparing us. It's preparing us for eternal life with God, where all we'll see is love infusing everyone and everything all around us. So let's get used to it. Let's see love infusing in between all of us, and and we'll just walk out and live it in the world. Well, that sounds great, (laughs) but in the here and now, if we've learned to give out of what we've been given to comfort out of the comfort we've been given, to love out of the love we've been given. Our delight in heaven will be indescribably beautiful and joyful. So with all these positive truths in mind, why do we still resist? Why do I still resist? Remember remember the story about Betty calling people and folks resisting picking up the phone? I was one of those people. I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. And maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you actually literally saw it's Betty calling and thought, I, can't, I just can't do this right now. I'm not feeling it right now to talk to her. I don't think God is calling me to this. I'd rather sit cozy and keep watching X or reading Y or take a walk, anything except pick up this phone. 
we say things like, I'll call her when it's convenient for me, aka my timing, not hers, my needs, not hers. We have all sorts of reasons for resisting. But here's the truth. By resisting, we miss out on the surprising burst of joy that comes from actually putting our proverbial feet into the river of saying yes, or in my case, the river of picking up the phone. Commercial companies like Nike know this. They know the resist, stop resisting dilemma. Nike sells shoes that people, so people can exercise. Well, who wants to exercise? It can hurt, it's inconvenient, time-consuming, and it's anti my current inertia level, which is to just stay where I am. So they simply say with an upward graphic curve, just do it. Just do it. It's the same with good works with God. He's given us good works to walk in. Just do it. Just say yes. Well, what about boundaries, healthy boundaries? I don't have all the answers here. I do know that in Jim Carrey's 2008 movie, The Yes Man, he eventually discovered that he had to start saying no. And C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, of course, shows that we can get, uh, evil can use our good outpouring desire, that hard wiring, and turn it on max and burn us out and, and therefore take us down. So both encourage the use of healthy discernment. Here's the problem with me and where tension starts. I don't know about you. Jesus didn't seem to have boundaries. And when he says stuff to his disciples, he says, well, our gospel today, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And just in case that's too esoteric, if anyone wants to become my my follower, he must deny himself. There's tension between these two. And I hope that God helps me resolve this tension so that I'll just pick up the phone, make the visit, and whenever he asks, knowing, knowing that there will be joy seeping into me and saying yes, and that love will flow out of me into some small part of the world. My old friend Betty is experiencing this love firsthand now. She isn't crying out for help anymore. She is in her place of eternal peace. God, through the Spirit, cried out, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And she said, yes. Alleluia. But our earth and its people here and now are still crying out. The refugees and the Joshua trees and the cattle are crying out. And God, in his acute hope for us and the planet, through the Spirit, cries out. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The writer of Hebrews says, draw near to God. 
spur on one another toward love and good deeds. Our core language says this is who we are, a people gathered who want to be about connecting to God, community, and creation. Let's do it. Amen. Let's pray. These are two prayers from our Book of Common Prayer and near the back, starting at page 649. There's a ton of beautiful prayers. This is from William Temple, former Archbishop of Canterbury, I believe. A prayer of self-dedication. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you. So guide our minds. So fill our imaginations. So control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And there's a prayer in the morning. This morning. Almighty God, you alone gave us the breath of life, and you alone can keep alive in us the holy desires you impart. We beseech you for your compassion's sake to sanctify all our thoughts and endeavors that we may neither begin an action without a pure intention nor continue it without your blessing. And grant that, having the eyes of our mind enlightened to behold things invisible and unseen, we may in heart be inspired by your wisdom, in work be upheld by your strength, and in the end be accepted as your faithful servants through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Let us continue to pray for the church and for the world, and as we do, we thank God for the beauty of his creation.